Welcome to the Language Matters Podcast. In this episode, we sat down with DLS Recruiting Manager and Wellness Guru, Kate, to talk about optimizing nutrition for language learning in honor of World Nutrition Day on May 28th. Countries around the world recognize this day, so we figured we'd join in this year. Did you know that how and what you eat can optimize your brain for learning? Kate gives tangible tips for choosing the best foods, like even foods that will boost your memory. And we talk about the diets of the healthiest cultures around the world and how you can adopt some of their favorite ingredients into your lifestyle. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Kate. Hi, Kate. Hi. Glad to be here. We're happy to have you. We'll just start with a little intro to you and kind of your background and qualifications for talking about this sort of thing. I read a lot. Um, no, I, that's a very good question. Um, in addition to being our recruiting manager, um, I also have a number of certifications. I'm a certified nutrition coach, um, certified personal trainer, certified running coach, and I have a master's of science in exercise, fitness, and health promotion, which did involve taking some nutrition specific classes. So, um, and then, like I said, I read a lot of stuff about nutrition. I mean, that, that sounds like enough to me. First of all, why are we even talking about nutrition? What is the importance of nutrition in language learning? Sure. Um, it's a good question because it, there's not an obvious connection, but I will answer first by offering you a picture. So picture you have a test, you are learning a language, a new language for you. Let's say it's Spanish. Uh, you have a big test at 11 a.m. that morning, you wake up, you get good sleep and you have, you're not really thinking about your diet. You're not really thinking about your breakfast. So you rush to get ready on the way to, um, to your test. You, you realize that you're hungry. You're starving. In fact, so you swing through the nearest McDonald's drive through grab a couple of breakfast burritos, or perhaps you swing through the nearest Starbucks drive-thru and you get a large mocha and a blueberry muffin. Uh, lo and behold, you get to your test, you're all full of energy and halfway through you crash. Your, your energy levels just dive. Uh, you have trouble, you know, you're struggling to concentrate. Um, you know you have the answer to a lot of the questions, but they just elude you. You just cannot quite get them. Um, and you, you get out of the test and you're frustrated and really just don't understand what happened because you studied hard, you got some good sleep. So what happened? Uh, second picture would be you wake up, um, get ready for your test. You've already thought about your breakfast. You make a nice, healthy, well-rounded breakfast of you know whole grain toast with some avocado or perhaps a bowl of oatmeal with some nuts and berries, one cup of coffee, a little bit of milk or cream in it, uh, head to the test, plenty of time, feeling good, your energy levels stay the same. You find that you, you're just knocking the answers out of the park. You know everything that's thrown at you and you come out of the test feeling great. So sleep was the same, studying was the same. What is the, you know, what's the, uh, the difference? What's the factor that changes things? It's your diet. Uh, food, uh, as we all know, we've all heard of the sugar crash. We've all heard of brain fog and all of these things. Um, you know, it's very true. Like you are what you eat. Your body is essentially a furnace and it needs good fuel in order to perform optimally. And that includes your brain. So if you eat food that is high in sugar, high in, you know, saturated fat, um, low in any essential nutrients or vitamins, has no protein, good carbs. If you eat those kinds of foods, um, your brain is just not going to function as well. Uh, you're going to have trouble concentrating, trouble with your attention span. You're going to have that brain fog. You're just not going to feel good. So we want to give you tips today that will help you optimize your time spent learning 
but just a few simple tweaks to your diet. So it sounds like you have the knowledge sometimes, but it's all dependent on how you're preparing your brain almost. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you're not going to be completely unprepared if you study enough, but you want to give yourself every advantage possible. So why shoot yourself in the foot by having, you know, by eating food that's not doing anything for you when you could very easily eat something that is both healthy, tasty, filling, and will do your brain good. Right. What do you have in terms of tangible tips? Well, first of all, uh, if at all possible, try to stay away from the SAD diet, which is the standard American diet, a pretty appropriate acronym for it, to be honest. Um, You know, in the US, the basic, not everybody eats this way, certainly. This is a broad generalization, but the, the American diet as known kind of worldwide and as evidenced by the way a lot of people eat um, is heavy on convenience. Um, A lot of us are very willing to forego healthy options in favor of convenience. You know, we're always on the go. So whatever is available, whatever's cheap or just whatever really is is there. Um, But that often leads to eating foods that are heavily processed. Um, A lot of foods are processed. Processed is not actually a bad word, um, foods that you get at the grocery store that have been packaged and in any way, shape or form can technically be called processed, but heavily processed foods, foods that have an ingredient list that's like 20 items long names that you can't pronounce, have no idea what they are. Um, or, you know, you go to the coffee shops and you get a muffin. That muffin has like 600 calories and, you know, 40 grams of sugar. Um, you go to the coffee shop. Coffee on its own is a really good food. I mean, really good drink. Um, it has antioxidants. Um, and it actually has been shown to improve athletic performance. But you start adding like a lot of chocolate and whipped cream and all these other add-ons, and it quickly becomes a calorie bomb, a sugar bomb, and something that's just not going to do you good. Um, so, you know, the standard American diet breakfast is very focused on sugary food. Um, that's something that is different from a lot of cultures in the world. Um, you know, especially that you think of like Southeast Asia, uh, they eat a lot of savory foods, um, rice dishes, um, actually most other countries with the exception of some European countries don't focus on the sweets at breakfast. So, um, when you're thinking about foods that would be good for focusing, for helping you focus, helping to refine your, you know, sharpen your focus, give you more attention, lengthen your attention span, and just make you feel better, make you feel sharp. Um, You're looking at foods that doesn't have to be kale and quinoa all the time. Um, There are plenty of foods that are really, I think, pretty objectively popular and um, can be very tasty quite easily, um, such as like eggs. Uh, They get a bad rap because of cholesterol, but the truth is that most people can handle a couple of eggs a week. Um, eggs are great. They have choline in them, which is fantastic for memory, for sharpening your memory. Um, avocados, avocado toast. I mean, it's a trendsetter. So, you know, why, there's a reason for that. Um, but avocados are full of good fat. So unless you're eating like two whole avocados a day, um, you're going to be okay. It's, it's a good fat that will both help your brain. Your brain does need fat. Um, and you know, will also help keep you full berries berries are, you know, especially when they're in season, I understand if they're out of season, they can be expensive and hard to get. Um, but berries when they're in season are one of the single most powerful superfoods in the world. Um, they are full of antioxidants. They are fantastic for your brain. Um, and you know what, they're 
really, really delicious. I know I, it's, I'm hard pressed to find anybody who doesn't like at least one form of berry. Um, fish, this one's a hard one for some people, but a lot of fish is really the omegas, the omega fats in fish um, are hard to really impossible to replicate with any other food, but those are incredibly powerful um, boosts for your brain, for your memory, and for prevention of cognitive decline. So um, if you can if you can stomach salmon or cod or trout, sardines, um, throw some sardines on your pizza, uh, do that. Nuts are another great one. Throw some nuts on your morning yogurt or your oatmeal, lots of good fats and proteins. Um, popcorn's a great snack. It's full of fiber. Uh, beans are one of the one of the foods that are eaten by all of the longest living cultures in the world. They are a staple of the blue zones of the world. Um, and then greens, you can't underestimate greens. Those vegetables are, are a struggle for many people, but you know, you can throw spinach into a smoothie or just, or maybe saute it in your eggs or your stir fry. Um, and then finally, if you are a sweet, if you have a sweet tooth, um, that all hope is not lost, uh, you know? So instead of grabbing a donut next time you want something sweet, grab a couple squares of dark chocolate. Um, it's a bit of an acquired taste, but anything above about 65 or 70% dark cacao um, is actually very good for you and full of those antioxidants that will help boost your brain power. Amazing. Those are good. Um, those are good tangible tips. I was hearing a lot of importance on like memory and cognitive function. So it's really great that there are specific foods um, that are pretty basic, honestly, from what I'm hearing, um, that you can, that any person, and they're also pretty cheap, I think, like beans, greens. <laughs> you can't get yes. much more basic than that. Um, so it seems pretty easy. I do want to go back to something that you said, though. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the longest living cultures um, and the blue zones. So I guess maybe talk a little bit about that if you can. Kind of like what sort of nutrition practices are they doing? Are they getting right? Because mm -hmm. really, um, sure. America as a whole is not a blue zone. I don't think. We, we do have one blue zone so there are five original blue zones. Um, blue zones are the five areas of the world that a National Geographic fellow, um, Dan Buettner, um, probably, I guess, probably 25, 30 years ago now, uh, identified as the longest living cultures in the world with the lowest incidence of chronic disease. So basically the healthiest old people in the world. Um, so he took it upon himself with the National Geographic Fellowship to go to these five areas of the world and investigate and talk to the people and you know and participate in their lifestyles and and try to determine and derive best practices from these different cultures um, that he could then share with the with the rest of the world. Um, these five blue zones. One is in the U.S. It's in California, Loma Linda, California. Um, it's kind of down in the like San Diego. I think it's between San Diego and, and Los Angeles. Um, then um, Sardinia, Italy, um, Okinawa, Japan, um, uh, Ikaria, Greece, and the Nicoya Peninsula in Costa Rica. Um, these are very different cultures, right? Like you think Okinawa, you think like rice-based dishes. Right. Seaweed. You think Sardinia, you think, well, Italian food. I mean, come on, you know, 
And then you think of um, Costa Rica, you're thinking like rice and beans. So very different cultures, but there are a lot of commonalities. Um, and as you said, to your point about the foods that will promote brain health and memory and focus are all pretty simple foods. Um, a lot of the blue zones are not particularly wealthy areas. Um, they are not, they're not, you know, eating like organic dove eggs, things that are, you know, impossible to find and really expensive. They are relying on very, very common basic ingredients, most of which they can grow themselves. Um, and some of the some of the common themes among the diets of all five of these areas um, are uh, a, almost a dearth, a complete lack of added sugar. Um, so big desserts are just not really a thing in these countries. Um, little to no alcohol. Um, if then if there is alcohol, typically more in Sardinia and Greece. Um, then it's, you know, wine, like one glass of wine, not a bottle. Um, tea, tea's a big one, tea made from natural herbs. Um, nuts, nuts are huge, beans are big in all these, um, all these areas. And then, uh, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables. So the fruits eaten and the vegetables eaten kind of, they do vary a little bit region by region. Um, but you know, those like beans and nuts and um, plant-based foods are all a common theme. Um, what they do not eat a lot of is meat. Um, in fact, most people in Loma Linda are vegetarian, um, if not vegan. Uh, you know, um, the Nicoya Peninsula, rice and beans, like um, that's kind of their staple food. And they, you know, they make their own corn tortillas and um, maybe add some fresh fruit, but um, it's very, very basic, very cheap food that is sustaining for um, for all of these blue zones. So, right. Uh, it's so it seems like they're all very different cultures, but they have the same sort of theme of yeah. kind of like whole foods, very um, almost simple. It seems to me like not overcomplicating things and not like you said, like rare, crazy expensive things. It's like, they're, they're not overcomplicating it. They're just kind of living like humans were meant to live. Right. Yeah. Natural foods. Yeah. They're living from the land. Gardening is a really big thing in all of the blue zones. So most people are, you know, they're living off the food that they can grow on their land. They're not, they're not looking, they're not looking for the next superfood trend to figure out how to be healthy. They're just, you know, working with what they have. Interesting note though, um, is that Okinawa, uh, it is still considered one of the original blue zones, but its status as a blue zone has been somewhat, um, I want to somewhat in jeopardy um, because of the large expat population, the military population who brought spam um, and all the fast food to open no up. So, so, um, so we're exporting our, our sad diet now too. Yeah. We ruined it. The yeah. zone. So it just goes to show, you know, like, uh, like everybody is susceptible. Like people are not born like perfect eaters. Like, you know, it's, it is a conscious choice, but if you use what you, if you make just some basic, easy decisions, um, and just say no to the to the really processed stuff. Like, stay away from fast food. I get yeah. every once in a while. Like moderations, you know, if you got to have a McDonald's burger every once in a while, okay. You know, we, you don't want to be deprived, but like, just don't make it a regular thing. I mean, I feel like restriction would be the worst it's, thing. It's almost you could worse. Do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's great to know. That kind of leads me in to 
the next question, I guess, not so much about the best foods particularly, but best practices, I guess, how can like, we'll part on this note, how can we implement this? I know that, um, you know, we primarily teach a lot of adults. It is way harder to learn a language when you're an adult. Um, so just any extra tips you can give that will help optimize language learning. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yes, it is. Uh, you know, it isn't, it's not easy. Um, eating healthy, it isn't easy. Um, we all have choices to make, but like I said, convenience is a, it's a powerful motivator. Um, but you know, with the little planning, uh, and I'm not talking about spending your entire Sunday grocery shopping and meal planning. Um, that's not realistic for the vast majority of us, but you know, just go to the grocery store on a regular basis, plan your grocery store trips, um, shop the perimeter of the store because that is where most of the fresh and healthier foods are. You start getting to those middle aisles, you know, you've got like my kids who grab like Rice Krispie treats and chips and stuff off the, off the shelves. So um, stick to the perimeter as much as possible. Um, know when you need to go, like plan ahead and don't go hungry. Because if you go to the store hungry, I promise you're going to walk out with at least one or two things that you really like did not need, like some kind of weird flavor of Oreo or something like that. Always. Um, yeah. I want to eat it in the store I mean, too. Exactly. I mean, like, again, moderation, like have one or two Oreos, but maybe not the whole packet of birthday cake Oreos. Um, you know, and also, so then spend just an hour or two, like chop up some fresh vegetables. So you have something to snack on, um, cook a bunch of chicken breasts. So you know that you have some, some meat cooked that's not gonna leave you know leave you starving. So you go to the nearest McDonald's, um, and you know a big part of it is out of sight, out of mind. If you don't buy these foods that are not good for you, you're probably not gonna like go out of your way to seek them out. What you have on hand is what you're gonna eat. Um, we're all busy, so if you have like little packets of nuts and fresh fruit and cut vegetables, and they're easy in sight. You open the fridge and there they are, or they're on your kitchen table or they're on your desk or whatever the case may be. You're far more likely to eat that than you are to go out of your way to get a Snickers bar. Um, the other thing I would suggest, and this is kind of a personal preference thing, but I personally, like if I eat a really massive meal and one sitting at like 1 p.m., it's really hard to focus for the rest of the day, even if it is healthy food. Um, I, so just follow the 80-20 uh, the rule. So that's it's a rule that originated um, in the Japanese culture, but the idea is that you, um, you eat until you're 80% full. Uh, you know, you could still eat, you still, you know, you still feel a little peckish, but you're not like starving. Um, at that point, like get up and walk away from the table or put your food away. It's okay, despite what your grandmother may have told you not to clear your plate every time. Um, so, you know, get up when you're 80% full, when you still have a little food left, walk away, let your body digest. Chances are you're not actually hungry anymore, um, but it's there in your face. So, you know, if you are still starving, go back and finish it, but chances are you're not gonna want to. Um, and then the last thing I'll mention, is uh, plate size. Um, it's legitimate. If you, Americans tend to have bigger plates than other countries for whatever reason. We do bigger is better. With yeah. um, but if your plate is this bit is you know huge, you're gonna fill it, right? Um, so start with smaller plates. Just clear out your cupboards. You know, donate your big plates to Goodwill or store them somewhere so you only really get them out for special occasions. If you if you eat off of smaller plates for most of your meals 
I can almost guarantee that your portions are going to be smaller and your body will learn to adjust to smaller portions. Those are great tips. Even as a person who has not learned a language in many years, I feel like even just for anybody who's trying to learn something, anybody who's trying to maximize their brain health, but especially for our adult language learning community, these have been great tips. And thank you so much. You are welcome. If you're looking for more intercultural nutrition information, we post blogs and YouTube videos about the Blue Zones and other general language learning, nutrition, wellness content. So head over to our website, dlsdc.com blog, or type in Diplomatic Language Services on YouTube to find our channel. Thanks again, Kate. Bye.